This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your guide to news and culture in Chicago and beyond. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has laid out her budget plan for 2023. It includes no new property taxes, funds to support migrants, an increase in the police budget, and other measures to address violence, homelessness, poverty, and more. You can head over to wbez.org reset for analysis of the mayor's remarks. We also want to make sure you have a chance to listen to her address in full. So without further ado, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Ladies and gentlemen, over the last three and a half years, our city, our government, and our people have faced unprecedented challenges. Our entire way of life has changed, and we're still finding our way to our new normal. And as we continue to put the pandemic in the rearview mirror, our city is as strong and resilient as ever before, and our future is bright. Budgets passed by this body have consistently met the moment. The challenges we have faced by providing our residents with the support they needed when they needed it. Along with me, every year, a majority of this body has made the tough but necessary decisions to continue our journey to be true fiscal fiduciaries that the job demands, to meet our pension obligations, to end scoop and toss, and in the process, to close historic budget deficits. You recall, we first closed an $838 million deficit left by the previous administration, and then a COVID-19-induced deficit of $1.2 billion. We met each of these challenges without cutting services and without laying off employees. I want to thank each and every one of you who joined me in making the tough calls, put aside the politics, and worked not just as advocates for your ward, but as fiduciaries for the entire city. All of our residents have and will continue to benefit from your thoughtful and intentional stewardship. But as you know, budgets are not just math problems. They are and must be value statements. Value statements about how and why we invest, and importantly in this city, where we invest. From my first official words as a 56th mayor of the city, I challenge each of us to see the whole city, the beautiful mosaic that we call home, all 77 neighborhoods, and especially those that have been historically neglected for far too long. I have and I will continue to be unapologetic about the need to invest south of Roosevelt Road and west of Ashland. All of our children have a right to see, feel, and touch 
the richness that one of the wealthiest cities in the world has to offer. And let me remind you, neglect is not cost-free. Neglect is not only morally wrong, but is also fiscally foolish, as we have come to know in this city all too well. We have been carrying a heavy burden for decades of neglect, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. It shows up in the billions that we have spent on policing and incarceration instead of pouring a fraction of those dollars into better schools, affordable housing, jobs, and infrastructure. It shows up in the trauma that shrouds too many of our homes and neighborhoods and chokes off the dreams and aspirations of individual communities. What I have asked this body to do over three successive years, and now again today with a fourth budget, is to be bold with me, to continue to right historic wrongs, so that all of our residents who call this beloved city home will benefit and be able to fulfill their God-given potential. As a result of coming together and working in collaboration, we have scored historic wins for our residents in these past three budgets. Getting our fiscal house in order is foundational to all the other investments that we want and need to make for our residents. Over and over again, with your collaboration, we have changed historic financial practices by living within our means so that we can end the practices of compelling taxpayers to bail us out from our fiscal mismanagement. Last year, we climbed the debt ramp by ending scoop and toss, and now we are paying down our total outstanding debt. Thanks to better cash flow management, I am proud to share that we have lowered the city's general debt by $340 million and saved $22 million by eliminating a $1 billion line of credit at the start of my term. By fiscal year 2023, we will have reduced our outstanding debt by $866 million. And we will be able to use those savings to continue fixing our roads, bridges and shores through the Chicago Works Capital Plan, and developing a safer and more resilient communities with the Chicago Recovery Plan. Our equity-based investment strategy that includes $1.9 billion from the American Rescue Plan Act and another $660 million in local bond funds. This infrastructure work benefits every resident in every neighborhood, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is a big win for our residents. Next, our pension obligations. Those obligations are real. Not a nicety, but a necessity for us to meet for essential workers who kept us safe and provided city services during the pandemic and more, depending on us to keep our historic promises to them. This city is home to over 23,000 pensioners who collectively dedicated over 900,000 years of service to our city. These are daughters and sons of Chicago who worked day in and day out to protect our city and keep it running. In return for their service and sacrifice, we promised them a pension. So fulfilling our pension obligations is sacrosanct. And I am proud to say that with the 2022 budget, we were able to finally climb the $1 billion ramp to actuarial-based funding. 
Moreover, for the first time in our city's history, we are now paying an actuarially calculated pension contribution for all four of our pension funds. This means that we have started to make the minimum payment on our pension credit card and slowed the climb of our pension debt. Additionally, for the first time in 15 years, we are actually increasing the assets we have to cover our pension liability or the pension funded ratio. This is another historic win for our pensioners, the police, fire, laborers, and other municipal employees who continue delivering for our residents as public servants and depend upon the pensions that they are earning every day. And while we're on pensions, we can't forget the work that we've done to secure a $2 billion casino for revenues to, for the police and fire pensions, as well as $2 billion in revenue that will go to the state of Illinois to fund vertical capital projects across the state. After three decades of pursuit, this casino will generate 3,000 construction jobs, 3,000 operating jobs, and one is one of the most equitable casino projects in the country. And while we have been getting our fiscal house in order, we have also, as you know, been making transformative investments in people and places. This work begins, of course, where we always begin, by looking internally for savings. We also um, have recently announced paid parental leave for all of our employees. Under this new policy, all city employees will receive up to 12 weeks of paid parental leave regardless of whether they are birthing or a non-birthing parent. This will ensure that parents have the time to bond with their new child, heal from birth, and receive their city wages for the entirety of those 12 weeks. This is a big step forward for our city employees. Externally and every year, we've also continued to make meaningful investment in overall community safety. Recognizing public safety must be data-driven and involve deep community collaboration. We are doing the work to have the best trained, constitutionally driven police force and are creating alternative forms of crisis response, all while recognizing that lasting peace only comes through investing our way out of the root causes of the violence and not simply arresting our way out of the problem. Study after study tells us that the built environment, and specifically public infrastructure, plays a key role in community safety. The Chicago Department of Transportation's work in improving streets and alleys and lighting plays an important role in helping combat crime. Since the investments in the Chicago Works Plan, CDOT has paved 262 miles of streets and alleys and installed 280,000 smart lighting fixtures across our city, saving us over $100 million in 10 years. This has been particularly important in our most neglected communities where deferred maintenance meant poor lighting and potholes and crumbling streets were the norm. Thank you, Commissioner Biagi and your whole team for your great work. Overall, with fiscal year 22's budget alone, we have made over $400 million in investments across various initiatives to enhance community safety through supports for our police officers and the department's infrastructure, 
as well as officer wellness. We have made dramatic increases in investments for violence prevention in programs such as street outreach, which was a mere $1 million when I took office and now is at 15 times that amount with $52 million annually, in addition to the investments funded through the Chicago Recovery Plan for, per year. We have also invested in support for community organizations, block clubs, and addressing quality of life issues that are the magnets for crimes. This includes an $87 million investment in the largest vacant lot cleanup program in the city's history and one of the largest in the country. Research has shown vacant lot cleanup programs have significant impacts in reducing gun violence and increasing community safety. We have also made deep investments in our youth and their families. For example, connecting our young people to safe and productive activities in their out-of-school time, summer jobs, and year-round youth employment. We have also not ignored the trauma and health concerns that afflict way too many people across our city. Beginning with our first budget in 2019, we have increased mental health funding more than seven-fold. As the mental health budget was then $12 million annually, and as of 2022, it's now $89 million. <clears throat> Dr. Arwitty and her team at Public Health have done a phenomenal job. And let me also say that prior to this administration, city-funded services served approximately 2,500 people a year with mental health challenges. But this year, as a result of the work and the investment um, of the Department of Public Health, we will serve approximately 60,000 people with free mental health services across our city. And importantly, we are now serving youth and children for the first time. We all, all the practitioners, um, in our continuum of care, a deep amount of thanks and gratitude. Through their hard work and collaboration, our goal is to expand community-based centers of care to all of our 77 neighborhoods by year's end, and we are well on our way. We also know that a critical part of violence prevention is making sure that there is access to the legitimate economy for all of our residents. Through our economic initiatives, like Invest Southwest, the Enhance and Improve Neighborhood Opportunity Fund, and the work of the Chicago Recovery Plan, we are on track to infuse our neighborhoods and small businesses and nonprofit organizations all across our city with approximately $2.3 billion of investments. These dollars, these dollars are a breath of life to the recipients who hire locally, provide needed services, and are themselves vibrancy in our neighborhood. And when we talk about community violence, we must also talk about the scourge of gender-based violence. Gender-based violence is a public health crisis and is a core component of our violence reduction strategy. That's why we published the first ever strategic plan to address gender-based violence and human trafficking last year and dedicated $35 million of this year's budget a 300% increase since 2019 to support new and existing investments that provide assistance to survivors of gender-based violence, including emergency funds, legal assistance, mental health resources, and care coordination services. I also believe that one cannot talk about community safety without recognizing and supporting the needs 
of our returning citizens. Each year, thousands of individuals return to our neighborhoods having served time at the Illinois Department of Corrections or the Cook County Jail. Our choice is clear. Do nothing and hope that these individuals do not return to a life of crime or help them. Help them truly return home by giving them a pathway to the legitimate economy and a better life for a better future. <clears throat> we have chosen to invest in our returning citizens. And that's why, in addition to investing $10 million in a reentry workforce program to expand workforce training opportunities for formerly incarcerated individuals to attain employment, we have also released a roadmap for a second chance city earlier this year, <clears throat> which features key recommendations for actions to the city and our partners across sectors that must reduce the barriers to health care, housing, and economic mobility for returning residents. Also, earlier this year, I'm proud to say we hired Willette Benford as our director of reentry. Willette is a returning resident herself, now leads the city's reentry work from the mayor's office to coordinate citywide efforts to strengthen our supports for returning residents and make sure the $10 million invested as part of the Chicago Recovery Plan has real maximum impact. <clears throat> we have also made consistently strong commitments to housing, affordability, and homelessness prevention. I agree with the speakers who talked earlier today. This is an issue that we continue to tackle and we must continue to tackle head on. Stable, affordable housing, after all, is necessary in order for residents to live in safe, healthy, and vibrant communities. To further strengthen our social safety net for residents without housing needs, we dedicated more than $155 million towards additional investments in affordable housing initiatives. And then in December of last year, as a direct result of the Chicago Recovery Plan's affordable housing investment, we announced the largest multifamily investment round in Chicago's history. This will enable us to develop $1 billion, and yes, that's $1 billion with a B, in new housing and represent 2,500 uh, uh, new and preserved homes for low and moderate income Chicagoans. We have also... Uh, we also currently have 52 affordable housing developments in our pipeline, all scheduled to close between now and 2024. <clears throat> and folks, we have and we will continue to make significant strides towards addressing homelessness prevention in our city. Each year, between 1,500 and 15,000 and 20,000 Chicagoans access services while experiencing homelessness. COVID does not only increase the vulnerability of these individuals, but also magnify the economic stressors that put people at risk of losing their housing. That's why in the fiscal year 22 budget, we committed over $200 million to expand services and housing opportunities for individuals experiencing homelessness and housing instability. We also know that there are a number of circumstances that lead to someone being homeless. So we're continuing to make investments across the continuum 
of prevention and response supports, including shelter services, shelter infrastructure, outreach, prevention, rapid rehousing, wraparound services, and permanent supportive housing. Folks, the investments that we've made in affordable housing and in homelessness prevention, coupled with our targeted financial assistance program, are necessary steps toward ending the generational poverty that too many of our families struggle through. When these families have the tools that they need to thrive, our entire city thrives. We've also stepped up meaningfully our role to create a more sustainable planet through investments in our environment, including ensuring that our city and our communities can withstand the threat of climate change. So far, we have invested $188 million in this mission. And this is the largest one-time investment in climate mitigation, adaptation, and environmental justice priorities in the city's history. And we will help us set and implement bold, equitable climate goals. We are making investments in shoring up our lakefront from north to south against threats posed by rising lake levels. And we are making progress on our goal to plant 75,000 new trees to enhance our urban tree canopy. This is the largest tree planting initiative in the city's history. And the biggest news recently is that back in August, I was proud to announce that the city signed an agreement with retail electricity supplier Constellation in collaboration with Swift Energy to purchase 70% of our renewable energy for all city facilities and operations by 2025. <laughs> This agreement, which includes supplying Chicago with about 300 megawatts of new Illinois power, solar power, enough to power all of our large electricity uses, like O'Hare, Midway, and water pumping stations, will allow us to achieve our citywide goal of transitioning all city operations to 100% renewable sources by 2025. It will make a significant difference and our fight against climate change. These are some examples of the investments that we have made together. Importantly, every single one of these investments has been done with an eye towards equity and inclusion. And we now have the opportunity to do more. Now, I know that some of you, some in our city, and even in this very body, think that making real the values of equity and inclusion is a fundamentally flawed strategy. And to paraphrase one such skeptic, in his view, we do a disservice to the people who generate the revenues when we take from them and invest in neighborhoods who have been starving for resources for decades. Of course, that worldview ignores the reality that in every neighborhood in our city, there are hardworking people who contribute to our bottom line to the best of their abilities and are equally deserving of feeling the touch of city services that they help fund and living in a safe, walkable, and vibrant community. Luckily, a majority of you in this body have consistently rejected the view of the skeptics. And with this budget I propose today, I'm calling upon you one more time to stay the course because the work that we have begun is, has been truly impactful. But folks, the work is not done, and we are just getting started. At no time over these three-plus years have we shied away from making 
tough choices, nor have we shirked our duty to be prudent fiscal stewards. Because of that dedication, our anticipated 2023 budget gap is the lowest in recent memory at $128 million. You will see when you dig into the proposed fiscal year 23 budget to close this historically low gap, we again looked internally first to find solutions. And we have also applied the first $40 million we have received from the historic casino deal, and all of those dollars are going to reducing our public safety pension obligation. I'm also happy to report that our 2022 revenues are coming in at $260 million better than projected. That's a big deal, and you can clap for that. Why is that so? What we have seen is that our city is coming back to life. People are coming back downtown for work and leisure. Our restaurants and stores are starting to see better than pre-pandemic revenues. McCormick Place is again seeing growth in bookings for conventions and meetings. And business continue, businesses continue to make pro-Chicago decisions. Google's announcement that it would bring Three to 5,000 new jobs to redesign Thompson Center is no fluke. Google joins 122 other companies that this year alone have made pro-Chicago decisions through either corporate relocations or significant expansions of their existing footprints. Companies with household names like Kellogg or Mars that could literally go anywhere in the world but are choosing Chicago. This list also includes lesser-known but no less important uh, companies like AeroQ, a quantum computing startup that has opened in Alderwoman Mitzward, which is taking advantage of Chicago's formidable advantage in quantum computing resources. Congratulations, Alderwoman Mitz. <laughs> Another example is Harvest Food Groups, which is investing $60 million in a new food production facility. This facility will be located in an eight-acre plot of city land that has been vacant in the back of the yards for over 15 years and represents an expansion that will create and retain over 250 new jobs. Alderman Cardenas, I know you are pleased with this investment. <laughs> All of these economic data points have translated into an incredible rebound for our economy which then translates into markedly improving city revenues. Again, that is good news for our taxpayers. These improved revenues have helped us close the gap for FY 2023. And ladies and gentlemen, as a result, in this budget, we recommend foregoing the consumer price index increase for one year because we are able to meet our pension obligations through these increased revenues. Now, I must sound... You can clap for that, all Roman League. <laughs> I must, however, sound a cautionary note. As we have repeatedly emphasized, our pension obligations are real and continue to grow in the out years. We absolutely cannot return to the practices of the past where officials made the politically expedient but fiscally disastrous decisions to forego telling our taxpayers the truth about the work that it takes to meet our ongoing pension obligations, which sometimes must include modest property tax increases. 
Those days must permanently remain in the past. So yes, we have closed our gap and begun to pay the minimum payment on the city's pension credit card. But that doesn't mean we can run it up again. We will and we must continue to save for our future as well as be good fiscal stewards of precious taxpayer dollars. Now, as you will see, this proposed fiscal year 2020 budget reflects our continued fulfillment of the historic investments we began in fiscal year 2022. We have moved faster than the city is used to in order to get the first three years of extraordinary funding out the door. But as you know, the work continues. As you evaluate this proposed budget, you will see that we continue our commitments made in last year's historic and progressive budget. For example, we must continue making progress on combating generational poverty. A key driver of the violence we're seeing in communities is simply poverty, which encompasses the next set of investments that I want to touch on. Poverty is a huge, heavy burden that prevents far too many of our residents from living and leading fulfilled and healthy lives. And many of the residents who are burdened by poverty are black and brown and live in communities on the south and west side. Communities that have faced historic disinvestment for decades upon decades. Ensuring these residents have what they need to not just survive, but thrive will create a ripple effect that not only improves their lives and access to opportunity, but transforms the communities they call home, your communities, and inures to the benefit of our entire city as they'll be able to contribute back to their local economy. For these reasons, as you know, we develop a number of initiatives dedicated to putting more money in the pockets of residents who are struggling. And one of these initiatives is the Chicago Resilient Communities Pilot, which works to directly reduce poverty by putting cash into the hands of the people who need it most. I want to again thank Alderman and Chairman Gil Villegas for making this a priority and pushing us to do what is right. This $31.5 million cash assistance pilot supported by the American Rescue Plan is providing 5,000 households with over $500 per month for one year. It is also one of the largest monthly cash assistance pilot in the country by Household Serve. And what we are doing with this pilot is to make sure that the people who are participating are in a better financial footing at the end of the pilot than they were when they began by providing them with substantive wraparound services and supports. It is also part of a larger $71 million investment we're making in targeted fi financial legal assistance for underserved communities. The Chicago Resilient Communities Pilot has given residents some necessary breathing room and relief from the impacts of the pandemic. Let's shift now to new investments. And while each of the aforementioned investments represent important steps forward in our work to uplift communities and revitalize our economy, we know that there is more that we can do in the long-term prosperity of our residents that depends upon us being bold and continuing to make investments. That's why, in this budget, we propose a number of additional investments. First, we propose making $242 million to begin a new pension fund policy of prepaying future pension obligations. While we have made significant progress in our pension contributions, we are essentially making the minimum monthly payment on our pension credit card. We need to begin paying down 
that pension credit card so that we can stop paying compounded interest. Also, this pension advance will prevent pension funds, as they do now, from having to sell assets every month to meet their pension obligations. That makes no sense, particularly given what's happening in this very difficult market. The new funding will save the city $2 billion over time and reduce future pension contributions, as well as approximately $30 million in preserved assets based upon current market performance. This makes sense, and I urge you to support this part of the budget. We also propose uh, over $100 million for additional public safety investments, which includes $36 million to fund our consent decree obligations, as well as replacement of the aging police vehicle fleet, new technologies for police officers and the department, and the replacement of CPD helicopters. We are also allocating additional resources to continue the civilianization of administrative functions within CPD so that more sworn officers are devoted to taking guns off the street and taking on the gang violence that has plagued our communities. We don't need police officers sitting behind desks. We need to keep supporting the dedicated CPD recruiting team that is seeing consistent success in the toughest national climate to recruit new police officers. And we owe the superintendent a debt of thanks for the work that he and his team are doing. Thank you, superintendent. <laughs> Importantly, the current recruiting trends are on track to yield the largest year of academy uh, recruits and largest in recent memory, larger than the so-called surges in 2017 or 2018. Next is $10.2 million to modernize and create efficiencies within city uh, government to ensure effective and efficient delivery of city services and programs. This budget will work towards improving the city's antiquated IT capabilities as well as hiring and procurement functions for all of our city departments. Those of you who have experienced the deficits in our ability to provide uh, efficient services should be cheering our efforts to finally upgrade and modernize our internal systems and processes. We will also be leveraging $3 million in CRP funding to launch a first-of-its-kind tiny homes project in the city of Chicago. We know that in addition to the other great work and over $155 million of additional investments that we are making in affordable housing, from traditional affording housing investments, equitable transit-oriented developments, and more, we must push ourselves to be creative. Tiny homes are an interesting innovation that we must embrace as a city. Next, the 2023 budget includes over $200 million in investments for homelessness prevention, which will fund increased shelter capacity and rapid rehousing. In addition to homelessness prevention services, we are also asking this body to commit an additional $3 million to strengthen our reproductive health care supports. This builds on our initial emergency $500,000 investment earlier this year. Ladies and gentlemen, given the Supreme Court's decision, which struck down nationwide access to reproductive health care services, Chicago stands as a safe haven for those seeking reproductive care all across our country. And our status as a safe haven requires resources. This $3 million investment is a result of consultation 
with reproductive health care providers across the city and increased needs that they are facing on a daily basis. To further mitigate climate change and address the city's most harmful environmental challenges, this 2023 budget will create a mayor's office for climate and environmental equity. This new office will steer our climate and environmental justice agenda and propel a whole of government action to realize the goals set by the 2022 Climate Action Plan to reduce the city's carbon emissions by 62 percent by 2040 and while improving residents' quality of life and delivering the equitable socioeconomic benefits they deserve. We have taken great strides in the environment and doing our role as environmental stewards, this new office will help us even further those initiatives. And speaking of equity, I must also mention that this budget proposes the codification of the Office of Equity and Racial Justice in our municipal code. This will ensure that equity becomes part of the expectation of city government's performance. It will also require that all departments make and maintain a strategic plan that advances racial equity and publicly report on their progress annually as a part of the budget process. Next, given the recent increase in the need for resources available to support migrants coming to Chicago, we have um, asked for in this budget $5 million to support that work and other contingencies. This is an unprecedented need that we have in our city. The city government and our partners um, in the community are doing everything that we can to make real our role as a welcoming city. But once again, we need additional resources. Our expectation is that because this is a national problem, the federal government will step up and do more. But we need to also make sure that we are doing our part and putting our money where our values are. So we're asking for this $5 million in additional supports. And to continue to support our creative economy, the, the artists, the musicians that were so hard hit during COVID. The 2023 budget continues our $10 million investment in the Chicago Recovery Plan to support artists and arts, cult, arts and culture institutions across our city while adding to an additional $10 million of corporate funds for commitment, which continues in 2023, for a total of $20 million in investments separate from the hotel tax. And finally, this budget also reflects significant progress on our work to tackle regressive fines and fees. We are proposing a new debt relief program that will enable residents and small businesses with outstanding administrative hearing debt to find a pathway to compliance. Participants will be able uh, to pay off all original fine amounts via a payment plan and subsequently waive fees associated with the debt. <clears throat> As our post-pandemic future uh, draws nearer, it is vital for us to continue creating safer and more resilient communities that can withstand the test of time, crisis, or whatever else comes our way. The only way that we can do that is by staying true to our values and ensuring that no resident is left behind. And while we've accomplished a lot over these past three years, even during a global pandemic, our hard work is by no means finished. In many ways, it's just starting. We've righted the financial ship. We've invested deeply in our people and places along the way. Now it's our time to stay the course so that we uh, enable 
our residents to sail into a more equitable and inclusive future. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that each and every one of us are holders of the public trust, and our residents need to see us reflect the realities of their lived experience in the work that we do here in this chamber and outside in city government. By supporting this budget, which combines fiscal prudence with continuing and new investments, we will help our residents continue to recover, and by doing so, our city to prosper for years and years to come. I now turn this budget over to you for review, consideration, and my hope is for passage. Thank you for your daily sacrifices on behalf of our residents, and God bless the city of Chicago. Thank you. You can find more on Mayor Lightfoot's budget address and what comes next in the budget process at WBEZ.org. If you listened this far, well, you're a Reset Podcast super fan. We would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leaving a rating, it really helps. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.